Hello, everybody. You are listening to the MS Mobile Show. This is the podcast that helps you get the most out of the Microsoft services you hear you choose on all your mobile devices. This episode, we're going to be discussing Groove Continuum for Phone. Uh, we have a great guest we will speak with in a moment, and I think we're going to talk about Windows 10, obviously. And, uh, of course, our personal app, music, and podcast picks. My name is Vernon E.L. Smith. I'm going on just about no sleep. I'm joined by my friend David V. Campbell. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing good, Vernon. I'm actually pretty proud of myself because I discovered the best breakfast cereal combination. You put honey bunches of oats, you put blueberries on that, and then you put nice. extra honey on that. <laughs> and then you have the best breakfast cereal experience you can possibly have. And you could go a little more decadent and use whole milk, which would be awesome. Or, hey, Ooh. you could put chocolate milk, actually. Oh, man. Ooh, nice 2% thick, 2% chocolate milk. Sorry, I'm in the dairy industry. I know my milk. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, we have a guest. <laughs> Folks, uh, we have a guest today. Uh, we have Brad Sams from uh, Neowin. Brad, um, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's uh, I don't have any great breakfast tales, but um, oh, it's man. good to be here. <laughs> good. We're glad to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially on short notice. Uh, that's pretty awesome. You could fill in. We had another one, uh, a great Windows Phone enthusiast we were going to have on, and unfortunately he had some other things that were uh, much more important uh, than us, which I don't uh, debate one bit. So we, um, we're glad to have you, Brad. Thanks. Brad has a podcast, a pretty awesome one that's pretty new and is doing pretty well. Brad, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, it's called The Redmond Report. I do it every Friday. Uh, I, I try to go for 11.30 a.m. Eastern time, and I've been pretty regular about that, but that's roughly when it goes up. Uh, then I, you know, I do the ho typical hosting on SoundCloud, but it's really just talking all things Microsoft. Um, I've been covering Microsoft for pretty close to 10 years now, actually. So there's a lot of things that come across that you can't really write about or there's just too much opinion or things aren't really solidified enough to go onto the front page. And just kind of digging through the fodder, um, a lot of the bad content that gets out there too, kind of disseminating those rumors as well. And just kind of just getting things out there that I hadn't been able to do in other formats. And yeah, every Friday at 11.30. Awesome. Well, we're going to try to get this back on track because I screwed up to begin with. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate that. Um, this is your cue, David. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I want to reiterate, first off, Brad's show, which we'll talk about later. It's a great show. But as far as this show is concerned, we want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, and if you do enjoy listening and hearing the guests that we have and hearing our opinions and, and hearing some of your feedback, please subscribe. You can do that by visiting msmobileshow.com slash subscribe or by obviously using your favorite podcasting application. And if you are in an adventurous mood, you can watch us on YouTube if you are a, a daring sort of individual. Absolutely. If you do happen to enjoy this show uh, enough to subscribe and listen frequently, perhaps you may also like to support the show financially. This would take just a moment. Go to Advertise and Support at the top of our website. View the options at the bottom right of each page, or you can, um, uh, if you have a product or service you'd you think we'd be proud to share with others, visit msmobileshow.com slash advertise for the pricing options uh, for, for that if you wish to do so. Obviously, um, uh, it helps uh, cover our costs, and that's uh, helpful. Yeah, we both love Twitter a lot, so you can follow us at MS Mobile Show, and we are active on there. If you have a thought about the show or you want to contribute, you can always tweet us, and we will respond to you and probably even mention you on the show. So we will mention someone on the show who responded to us. Michael Brody, Brody I'm going to continue to screw it up. Sorry, bud. Michael. Um, he is at Swizzlers on Twitter. He's uh, done some feedback with the show a few different times, and he uh, noticed when he got his Lumia 640 XL that running Windows 10 Mobile, the, mo the keyboard is now mobile, move movable, you know, mobile. We're pressing a long press on the space bar, and you can move that up and down. Um, you can actually also shift it left or right, and by doing, you can do that by uh, long pressing on the settings. Let's see if I have a 10, Windows 10 phone up here. Yeah, I've got one up um, too. I'm going to try it. I've actually never done this. Yeah, I'm running it on a six on an 830 right now, so I don't have this option. 
but the settings themselves are in. Okay, if you press the um, the numbers key, basically, then you can scroll up. There's the settings button, and then um, on a on a larger screen device like the 640XL, you can slide over to adjust the screen, oh, yeah, sure the, the keyboard to be left, right, or center. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then if you, like, that's very neat. It doesn't work on my 920 either, so it must be either a screen size thing or a resolution thing. Mm -hmm. So when I had, uh, when I was running 10 on the 1520, I played around with that quite a bit. You can adjust the size of the keys or the keyboard itself by three different sizes: small, medium, large. You can shift it left or right, or keep it small in the center. And of course, you can adjust it vertically, like what Michael has has mentioned. Uh, by long pressing on the keyboard, on the, the space, space bar. So that is really awesome. It's kind of a, a lesser known trick, and it's pretty awesome for Michael to mention it. Now more of you know about it as well. Maybe you already knew about it. So, Yeah, and then we got a shout-out because we had, of course, Richard Hay on the last episode, which was a great one, by the way. Thanks for being on the show, Richard. Uh, and it was... On I was not there, which is which would explain a lot as well. Well, that, well, that made me sad, Brandon, that you weren't there, but... I did see your self-deprecating tweet earlier, and um, when you favorite, like when you favorite a tweet that says it was better because I wasn't in it, are you saying <laughs> yeah, or are you saying I'm appreciating the fact that your self-deprecating humor came through? You know, so I just I didn't know what to do with it. So I, I just you know, it. I actually feel that sometimes favorites happen just out of muscle memory because we're on Twitter that much. You see something and you just <laughs> click, 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 click. Yeah. I think I think those people exist, and I may be one of them. Yep. Anyway, and it's a great show, and as a result, on Supersite for Windows, we got a little shout-out to that episode, so thank you, Richard, for that. Yeah, and also, John C., he is at jrunner0. Um, he just tweeted at us a few moments ago, and he said he's playing Xbox games on his PC, and he is loving it. He sent us a picture as well. So um, we'll see if... I won't promise this, but we'll see if we can... Uh, Drop the links to these tweets in the uh, in the the show notes uh, to check out in a day or so. Uh, I was not here for last week, so I will not take the blame for not having last week's poll ready, David. This oh, is yeah. all you, buddy. That's my fault. All right. What was last week's poll? Well, this week's poll, at least, is going to be how did you upgrade to Windows 10? So, um, Brad, I guess we'll ask you since you're here. Um, let's say let's say um, Let's get two different scenarios. Your work machine, your sit-down, dig-in yep. work machine. Um, how, how did you upgrade that one? And then also, let's just say your portable, I don't know what you would call it, your sit-on-the-couch, uh, pretend you're working your, your, your um, because I do this, and many people do yep. this. You're sitting on the couch, you're hanging out with the kids and the family, but really you're trying to get something done, um, that machine. Uh, how did you upgrade each of these? So... There's three answers, actually. Um, the first way I upgraded was my Dell XPS 13, which is pretty much my daily driver for just about everything. Um, I went to New York, actually, for a Microsoft briefing on the information, and they uh, provided a USB key. And so the first one was directly from the RTM media. And then the second way was I did it through the ISOs that were released uh, right at midnight. And then I also did it through, the actually, the Windows update process. Um, so I did it all three ways. I had no issues. I will say that if you were going to put it on your Surface 3, um, it took almost two hours, maybe two and a half hours, to lug it onto that machine through the Windows update process. So just kind of be aware that that under... I don't want to say underpower, but that slower machine, it, it's going to take some serious time to uh, to actually get it up and running on that. Um, okay. And, so, and while so, we're on this topic, yeah. one real quick caveat for everybody who's listening. If you were going to upgrade via the ISO... You have to do it via an upgrade. Like, if you have Windows 7 installed, double-click the ISO and mount it within Windows and do not do a full clean install. We got a couple tweets this week where people were um, clean installing with the ISO and then trying to put in their Windows 7 key into Windows 10 and were confused as to why it was not working. So just, just keep in mind that you have to do a proper upgrade uh, to get that entitlement onto your Microsoft account or your, your machine so then you can do a clean install. Right, that, that would be like a reset my PC or whatever. Or, okay. That's exactly the situation I'm in. I use the ISO. I wanted a clean install. I'm like, boom, this is working well. Yay. 
and no, no activation. So, I, I mean, I'm still using everything except I can't change the background or something, but eventually it's going <laughs> to... <laughs> so I need to, as I understand it, I need to roll back to... Well, I'm, I'm being told that I need to roll back to 7, and I have a purchased uh, version of 8.1. Um, yeah, if you... So, if, if you have a purchased version of 8.1, that's all you need to go back to then. Okay. And um, actually in... Maybe I'll look at this thing again uh, later, but I understood... I thought I had uh, the option to roll back to 7, not 8.1. It was right right in there. Uh, reset, um, uninstall, or I should say... What does it say? Revert? Or, roll back uh, or whatever? Roll back. Roll back uh, upgrade. So, I mean, I guess I could go to 7 and then... Mm-hmm. Whatever. Either way, it worked. I guess. Yeah. Either yeah. way, you just got to get back to an activated version of Windows and then yeah. do a proper straight line upgrade. Lame. Yeah. One thing that was crazy. You mentioned the Surface Three was a really long process. Uh, by contrast, my Surface Pro Three, of course, it's obvious why it's different. Yeah. But on July twenty eighth at eleven fifty four p.m., it was ready to download, which was yeah. awesome. Wow. And in twenty minutes, I used the normal upgrade process and it was done in like twenty twenty five minutes. Wow. I yeah, was pretty impressed. Pretty it took cool. me about an hour and a half or so to do a clean, clean install. Down, you know, download and install. But yeah, the Pro Three is still a wonderful machine. Uh, that's I use that quite a bit. But I know the Surface Three is um, sold quite well too, just because of the price point. And there's probably a lot of people who are wondering why it's taking so long to upgrade. And it's because it doesn't have any fans, so they they underclocked the CPU when it starts getting hot, which oh, during yeah. an install is going to happen. It doesn't have any fan. I mean, I'm going to sound like a noob, but I didn't even realize that. That's yeah, insane. completely fanless. Jeez, so. how do you not know that, David? Come on. <laughs> okay, David, what what um, what you made know now? What was last week's poll? Oh, I I wasn't looking, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry that that, that poll is going to be gone from for eternity you're, unless you go you're, back. To uh, you're out of luck, folks. Okay, uh, one more quick question that I should have asked um, Brad just a moment ago. Um, if if people want to do um, a clean install but still keep all their... Because okay, David's about to go through this right now. You mm-hmm. want to do a clean install, wipe it clean, whatever, but still have all your your well, your well data. Let's just call it data to be broad. Yep. What is the, a good, safe, proper way to do that? Realistically, the best way to do it is just OneDrive. That's your... That's how I do it. Um, there's a lot of people who kind of freak out about the privacy issue of putting things in OneDrive, but then you really can't because if 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 you answer the question that you've ever emailed yourself something to get it to your house, it's the exact same thing as putting it on OneDrive. So if you say, yeah, I email myself things all the time, then there's no difference in that scenario than putting it out on OneDrive. If not less secure than putting it on OneDrive, right? Right. No, I mean, it's. I would probably argue that OneDrive is likely more secure. I would well, I'd hope that Outlook.com is just as secure, but um, I don't believe Microsoft's going to have any issues there, so I just chunk everything that I think I could need up there or put it on some sort of external drive. I always get a little leery about trying to keep anything on a drive when you say clean install, so put it on some sort of medium that's not on the drive that you're going to be upgrading. Mm-hmm. I, I did it with OneDrive. I think I have 75, 80 gigs or something of, of stuff I wanted to keep, not too much, and um, just put it on OneDrive and then literally didn't... I mean, there's no programs I pulled over. I'll just reinstall Audacity, whoop-de-doo, you know. And so um, it's pretty simple for me, but David is a, quite a bit of uh, a different case, I think. Well, yeah, i actually like to ask both of you guys what you think. For now, I have about eight, 800 gigabytes of files that I want to save Holy on the drive. Oh, and it's, you know, it's like video... That's a lot of animated yeah. uh, GIFs. Cat GIFs, right. No, um, it's you know it's video content or, or you know f- giant Photoshop files or whatever because I do video stuff too you know. So what I've been doing so far is I've been using a program called SyncToy. I don't know if either of you've heard of it. No, I've never used it. SyncToy no. is incredible because it, it tracks it. You can there's three options. There's synchronized, there's echo, and there's a different one that I can't remember. And basically, it looks for changes you make on OneDrive and then mirrors those changes on the other one. So it initially copies over all the folders. And then when you delete, rename, update, etc. on this drive, and then run SyncToy, it does the same thing on the other oh, drive. Oh, nice. So it's worked wonders for me so far. The one thing it doesn't work, obviously, with so well are programs and applications. And so mm-hmm. I have to, I have to like, extract the, the codes, like the serial keys or whatever, copy all those, make sure they're in a good place, find all the installation files. So when I do a clean install, I'll get all my programs back. So I don't know if you guys had any thoughts about good ways to do that, but... 
Yeah, I don't, it sounds like you found a good way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say Great. that's that sounds like the, if it's work at the end of the day, if it works for you, that's all that matters. Okay. Uh, same thing with anything in life. If it's working for you, there's no need to change what's working. <laughs> Thus, um, Windows Seven uh, issue for a while. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, that's true. I think they're going to have that issue for a little bit. I don't think they're going to escape it, even with a free upgrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out, out of our um, many, and I'll say that sarcastically, out of our many listeners, probably one person will get this. Uh, and I've been looking for a reason to to use this analogy. Um, Ford. The motor company obviously makes trucks, and they have, uh, for a long time, they had the 7.3 liter diesel engine that they put in their in their pickups, mostly the the super duties, the 250s and 350s, and that engine ran well for 15 years or whatever, and eventually, I think it was in 2003 or something, they 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 transitioned to a new engine, the six liter, and you had the 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 price of these old vehicles pretty much went up by several thousand dollars because they wanted the old engine and they did not want the six liter and the six liter only lasted for like two years they scrapped it and went to like the six four or whatever and it pissed off so many people it's like why would you get rid of this engine that's working so perfectly and the problem was they were people were not buying trucks they were just keeping them for 15 years and you have 400,000 miles on this engine and it was fine well it sort of applies, you know, it's similar to Windows 7, but now, obviously, with 10, I think people have many, many reasons, many compelling reasons, and several forced reasons to move to Windows 10, and I think it's it's wise, it's good for the users, it's good for the overall platform and the um, the name of Microsoft, I would say, um, you know, the, the mind share, and, of course, it's good for Microsoft, and that's that's great, I'm excited for it. Yeah, and I want to add to that really quickly. I've upgraded several work machines that ran Windows 7, and although the upgrade process did take a while, upwards of an hour, hour and a half, etc., I found perform I did find performance extremely better on 10. Apps opening faster, mm-hmm. etc., all the things Microsoft sort of touted and promised, and I saw it happening in front of me. It was it was amazing. And uh, so today is the first day that those people, because they were away for a few days, and I upgraded their machines. So they're coming back today, and they're going to sit on their machines, and hopefully they'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> One of the things people don't really think about, too, is when you, when you upgrade to 10, yeah, it's a new OS, but you're also getting a lot of stuff that Windows 8 brought to the table. Windows 8 had a bad UI experience, I think, that's kind of universally agreed upon. But under the hood, there were a lot of good changes to the optimization of the OS. And you're getting that benefit as well. So people jumping from 7 to 10 are getting essentially two-generation gap of updates to Windows, the fundamentals. So they're, it's not surprising to hear that they do run faster and they run a little bit quicker. They should. It would be, I think it would be extremely alarming if it didn't. Right. Yeah, well, the, you know, and, and conventionally, and, that, and by you and I, and, and all of us here, that's expected. But conventionally, people's mindset is, you know, I have my iPhone. If I get iOS nine, it's going to cripple the battery and make everything run really slow. Like that's just the mindset. So I think to show people, hey, since Windows eight and Windows ten, you upgrade your your device gets better. Imagine that. I think that's really exciting for people. Mm-hmm. It's not just the mindset; it is the reality in many cases, especially Android devices. Um, you know, we do see it right now with Windows 10 uh, Mobile for phone, or yeah, Windows 10 Mobile technical preview. You know, it's shooting the crap out of the uh, battery life on our phones, but that is it's not optimized, whatever. But I mean, um, Lollipop is a is a great example of it coming out and just destroying the battery life on. Uh, well, the Note 4 for sure, the the the, um, the G3 and the uh, yeah G3 and the S5 all just went to crap. It was just ridiculous, and it's now basically expected. And there are people who are digging their heels in, not wanting to upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, same well, same thing with iOS, of course. But you know, micro- Windows doesn't really have that. You know, it's awesome that we're breaking that stigma, even if it's just desk sit down machines. I'll just call it that. Um, but it, it's great that Microsoft can do that. Really, um, whatever. I don't have nothing more to say about it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> so where are we here? Tip of the episode. Of the episode. Yeah. Uh, well, recently Microsoft changed the naming of their uh, ex- their music app, Xbox Music, 
which is kind of a debatable name anyway. We're kind of unsure about the branding, but we went with it. And then a few episodes ago, we talked about the potentially horrible names that turned into decent names anyway. But um, Groove Music is what they're calling the, the the Microsoft's music service, and now it is public. Like if you go to XboxMusic.com, uh, or what is it? I don't even know I what the music. URL is. Xbox.com or something like that. Yeah, whatever the URL is, uh, it it automatically um, you know uh, forwards you to Groove Music, which of course it has some introductory stuff in there, and that's pretty. It, it's good. It 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 kind of tells you about it. And so I think it's better. I think the naming is better. It's broader. I mean, it's going to appeal to more people, and it's not actually called Groove Music. It's called Groove uh, for whatever. It's fine. But I don't like it. The reason I don't like it is because change is bad, people. Change is bad. Don't let your forward-thinking professor tell you otherwise. No, um, this because... And this is a very, very small reason, okay? I, at work, I... Um, Desk machine, obviously, I use. Um, I think, I think, Brad, I think you used the term keyboard warrior once, and I think I'm one of those people. I feel I am, and so I'll have Xbox Music running in a you know a compact window to streaming stuff from OneDrive or whatever, and I'll short um, short key to the pause button or uh, you know pause play button, hit the the space bar and whatever. If I want to scroll ahead, hit tab. I want to go back, hit um, shift tab, and and whatever. Well, and you see that little dotted circle or square around what is mm-hmm. selected. Simple. Well, now with Groove Music, it's not the dotted the dotted square is not there anymore. Uh, obviously, I'm going to Google because of this. Uh, I'm done with Microsoft, but it's just it's one of those little things that it kind of slows me down and uh, it's a little bit frustrating. This other, very minorly. And the other thing is that I it's it's a light background now instead of the dark background on the web. That's what I'm talking about, and um, not a big deal. Don't really care. It's really about the only difference I've seen. Uh, it does show a little bit more, kind of um, prompts you to use OneDrive, uh, and maybe that's just because it's a new kind of a refresh and it's kind of reminding you again. But I think pushing that service of it, that that aspect of it, is wonderful. It's going to get more people using it actually converted a friend of mine to use this even though she doesn't have Xbox music or Groove music subscription she put her music on there and um, now she plays it at work without having to obviously store anything on the work machine so that's just some very minor little differences there of course Groove music is now uh, it is called Groove music in on Windows 10 whereas with I think on phone it's just called Groove yeah on Android it's called I think it's called Groove Music, I think. Or Microsoft. Microsoft's not exactly known for being consistent. No, so. no. I guess on ten for mobile. Ten mobile, it is called Groove Music, um, but whatever. Groove um, Media Center Service Pack Three <laughs> HD <laughs> XL. Yeah. Um, Brad, do you have you used Xbox Music, the uh, Music Pass, and what and what do you think of Groove Music, uh, the apps and the web, <laughs> so, website? Uh, I have used it, and I've stopped using it. It's um, I use Spotify. It's Spotify does everything that I need, and I think this is an issue with Microsoft. Is that so? They have a lot of premium services kind of baked into Windows 10. Windows 10 is free, but then there's Xbox Live, there's Groove Music, there's Skype or Windows Wi-Fi, whatever they want to call it. Um, there's all these premium kind of bolt-on services that they're essentially hoping people are going to buy into, and that's how they're going to make their money with the OS, Groove Music being a key one of those. The problem with, and what you're alluding to, is that Groove Music is just okay. It's nothing spectacular. There's nothing about you you lust for that's in Groove Music that Spotify doesn't have. Or I'm, I tried out Apple Music, and that was... Oof. In a hierarchy, it would definitely be Spotify, Xbox Music, then Apple Music... Um, Pandora is a little bit different, but Apple Music is just garbage. Um, but Groove, I think, makes sense why they they dropped the Xbox branding because the Xbox is so entrenched in gaming that people thought, oh, I need an Xbox for the music. So they said, okay, screw that, we're going to be done with it. And a lot of people, myself included, initially thought they might spin it off or sell it. But I'm guessing that they already had all the contracts in place, and they said, you know what, this is a premium service. It doesn't really cost us a lot of money to run. It only pay the royalty after the song is played. 
So let's just include it and hope people sign up since we're going to have a billion machines out there as a way to drive revenue for the OS. Uh, but me personally, I've not been able to get pulled away from Spotify. I definitely tried Xbox Music, but uh, Spotify just works, and it works everywhere, and it's easy to use, and there's keyboard shortcuts that work. Like you're saying, if, if for Microsoft, they can't just win by an inch anymore. They have to win by a mile because the competitors are heavily funded, they're well-entrenched, and they're, again, late coming to the scene. So if it's not a mile victory, it, it's really hard to get people to jump, myself being one of those people. I completely agree. I want to share really quickly my rocky journey in the world of music because I, st I started with Zune. Zune is where I started, fell in love with it, right? Uh, and when Zune got changed to Xbox Music, I was like, nope, not I'm staying in the past. I'm not going to do this. And I use Spotify concurrently, but what I didn't like about Spotify was I didn't like all the advertisements. Mm -hmm. So I stopped using Spotify. And then I discovered there's a Google Music service that's not very well known. And you could upload, I think it was um, or music, it was, like, it was called Google Play before Google Play Store, so then they rebranded it to Google Music Play or something. And you could upload up to, what, like 100 gigs or something of music and then play it from anywhere from a browser. And that was, I mean, probably four years ago, three years ago. And I used that for my cloud solution, and then I used my Zune for everything else. And then I kind of waited on Xbox, but with Groove and OneDrive, like, I can do the same thing with Groove and OneDrive as I could with Google Music. So I've dumped Google Music now. I don't use Spotify anymore, and I'm switching over. I use my Zune now for local stuff, and I use... Uh, Groove and, and OneDrive for browser-based or other device-based music because it's free. Honestly, that's the biggest compelling part of it for me is that I don't have to, I just move my folder and that's it. I can still use my desktop programs to play my music and then any other devices I want all for free. So that's the biggest compelling reason for me to use it. Yeah. Well, I uh, just um, apparently I had Groove and Xbox Music installed on my I have a Moto G here. And it, it didn't update from Xbox Music to Groove. I had both of them. Gosh. So I'm logging in <laughs> and try to see it's syncing up my collection. I haven't really noticed any of it, much of a change yet, a difference yet, but I'm not far into this. So this is a, a, quite odd, but I did so at the prompting of the chat room, which is great. we got a decent conversation going on here. And uh, oh, Kevin is back from St. Louis, which is or in St. Louis from uh, Dallas. So hi, Kevin. And... Um, Kevin's our producer, folks, if you are unaware of that. Uh, and actually, wow, let's go off random as far as we can here. David is doing the brain work behind this today, so good job, David. On I'm the guy clicking the buttons this time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a big button to click. It um, is. And so the chat room was talking about Xbox Music versus Groove, whether it's on Android or not, and it is Groove and <laughs> Xbox Music are on Android. So there's uh, that's kind of uh, a standard answer we would get from, you know, something Microsoft. So, so we have some What's questions next? we want to ask Brad. You should, you should yeah. start it off, Brendan. All right, man. We are already like half, uh, halfway into the show here. Uh, Brad, a um, couple questions for you here, man. What, um, what led you to do a podcast about Microsoft? You talked about it. You touched on it earlier. People had kind of bugged you about it, uh, punching in the kidney or whatever you said, and, um, and that's... Uh, st stabbing, I'm sorry, stabbing you in the kidney. And um, it makes sense for you to share those extra details about it. But I've noticed, and, and maybe it, um, it's just me being in this space or something, that there's a lot of podcasts about Microsoft lately, or at least it seems like there's a lot of new ones. Is that, um, do you think there's that trend has any real substance behind it or just odd coincidence? I would hope that there is substance behind it because that would bode well for um, the both of us. But to jump back, the reason why I <laughs> yeah. started, started it is I've been doing writing about Microsoft for quite a while now, getting approaching the 10-year mark here very soon. And there's certain things you just can't put into writing. It, it gets too opinionated if things aren't perfectly aligned to what's accurate, if you're still trying to vet things out that work much better in a podcast format than they do writing them out. And so it eventually got to the point where all this stuff was coming out. I had some really, really good sources um, feeding me Windows 10 information, um, you know, Surface information that I couldn't quite write, but I wanted to talk about, and I needed to find a medium to do that, and it just 
podcasting just kind of worked. And so the intent is just to keep it kind of short. I keep it under an hour um, every week and just kind of just drill through what went live that week and, and just run through it. And the reason why I think things are picking up now is because Microsoft is, they're, they've got some excitement again uh, with them. And I actually got, when Windows 10 launched, I actually got an email from Terry Meyerson um, thanking, you know, for some of the work. And I'm sure that most of the other people who did a lot of the humble writing. Brag. Yeah, very much a humble brag. And my, my response to him, knowing that he wasn't going to read much of it, uh, was really just, you know, said thanks for making Windows exciting again. Because that's really what he's done, is Windows is, Windows 8 was just this kind of catastrophe that happened in front of everybody. And it wasn't really fun to talk about because it was just all doom and gloom. And now you've got um, Windows 10 out, and you've got HoloLens coming, and you've got Xbox that's got a lot of exciting things going on. I'm intentionally leaving out Windows Phone for many reasons. But they've, they've got a lot of exciting things coming, and people are kind of chirping back around to Microsoft once again. And Apple is in a very systematic pattern now. So it's very easy to understand what they're doing, and it's very predictable, and it's working well for them. There's nothing, not a bash against Apple. They've got their perfect business model down. And so people are kind of looking elsewhere for tech excitement, and I think HoloLens really got that started, and then Windows 10 getting rave reviews um, by everybody in the industry but Walt Mossberg. Um, he was the only one who gave a negative review of it. Insert your own commentary there. And so I think that's why you're seeing things fire up is I know on Neowin, our traffic has been through the roof the past three to four months uh, in anticipation for Windows 10, and so it now is the time to kind of try to harvest some of that excitement. So it's a good time to, to see these things kick online. Can I add something to that? I think you, you mentioned that um, you know HoloLens was like, like, like the kicker for excitement. I want to say the Surface Pro 3 was like the beginning. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. That probably started the whole... Yep. That's, I think it's a very fair point. I think Service Pro 3 probably started that whole kind of, okay, Microsoft can actually do awesome things again. Mm-hmm. You know, if, throw the band I in there somewhere, too. Throw the, the yeah, surprise the success of the band. Yeah, I think, they, I think a lot of eyeballs in Redmond kind of perked up when they actually see, saw these things selling, um, <laughs> which is why you couldn't get your hands on them for a very long time. I think that's so cool. That's such a cool story. You know, it, you know, it's not. It, I don't. I don't think they they manufactured that scarcity. I mean, I think it really was. Yeah, I think it was too. Yeah. yeah. And the you know, the band has a really interesting story too, because it actually started out as an Xbox peripheral. And yeah. It was going to be destined for the Xbox, and then I can't remember who the exec was. Walked in, saw it, and said, "This has more potential outside of being attached to uh, the console." And I I honestly think it was around that time that they probably started to realize that the Xbox brand is a gaming brand. It's not a lifestyle and entertainment brand that they're trying to make it. And they said, oh, uh-oh. And so that's when they said, okay, we're going to kind of step back here, make Xbox Gaming, because I think it was originally going to be called like the Xbox Band was its name. Yeah, that would have been kind of odd. Yeah, it would have been very bad for the product. And so they brought it, you know, they brought it outside that wheelhouse, and it did, it did quite well. It's good for them. Um, I hope the next one's a lot more ergonomic. Yeah. But... I think that's. I think they heard those complaints loud and clear. Well, they probably knew them right when they were. Yeah, you know, I bet you they're just, just like imagine, pretty much any prototype. You want to have, you want to get as geeky as you can to begin with, probably, and and yep. battery life and comfortability be darned, you know, just to see how much you can jam in there. I think they probably went from a design. I don't want to say design. From an engineering standpoint, they probably were thrilled. It, you know, like, hey, this thing's awesome. Oh, we're even gonna sell it. Cool, you know. Um, and no, I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I, I guess and, I don't have anything else to say about that. Yeah, Brad, I, I want to yeah. expound what you said about Xbox. Xbox is so interesting because, like, during the Vista time when it was sort of beginning, and then Windows Seven and Windows Eight, Xbox was the coolest brand yeah. that Microsoft had, right? Yep. And one of our one of our previous guests on this show, Josh Martin, who is a podcaster for United back in the day. He, I, I, list, I randomly listened to a, like one of their last episodes recently, and he said, what's funny is I'm using my Xbox more as an entertainment device now, not just for gaming. I'm using Netflix on it, and so I think maybe moving forward, Microsoft should think about making it... Inter- it was funny hearing him say that, because that's exactly what they would do, and then they would like kind of 
go back because the E3, I want to say 2013, uh, they got so much flack for saying, yeah, well, like why is Xbox Entertainment? So then they kind of, you know, went back on that and now it's gaming. So they went through this phase of it's entertainment for Xbox. Like Zoom, the Zoom Twitter handle was changed to Xbox Entertain. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really curious to see what, what's going to happen to that Twitter handle in particular, and then sort of this idea about Xbox being an entertainment service, because it still kind of is, right? Yeah, I, I think it's done, though, to be honest. I think it's just going to become like an app play, because they're going to have Windows 10, proper right. Windows 10 running on it, and they're just going to pitch it as, hey, it runs apps. Um, okay. What I think really kind of hurt the entertainment idea was that all these like third-party devices like Roku's and Apple TV's, and then TV's just started building in the functionality that made the original Xbox 360, or not, that's not the original, but the Xbox 360 a good entertainment value, was we had these essentially dumb TV's, then all of a sudden the TV's got really smart, we all had really powerful smartphones in our pocket, and then we just needed just a dumb receiver to, to catch the content <laughs> and display it, and then Microsoft comes out with this all-in-one solution, and the market was already kind of past that point of needing that type of a device. I see. That's that's my opinion why it just We're, didn't work out. As, as far as the, the monitors themselves, these televisions, which is kind of an outdated term, but I mean, you know, this the, the monitor, okay, um, I don't think we're quite to the point where those that that firmware, you know, that interface yeah. is actively being um, updated, is it? And people are still buying a new TV every few years. I, I'm excluded from this conversation. I have the same 32 inch that I bought for 200 bucks six years ago. Okay, like that's that's me yeah. with my TV. But um, if people are buying the, the interface, a Samsung interface or whatever, Samsung Smart TV, is that getting updated, or do you have to buy a new TV? I, I think you're overthinking it. I don't. I don't think it needs to be updated. All it needs to do is just work for Netflix. And the consumer, as we already know, is very finicky to updates, anyways. So okay, if Netflix works on their TV, they don't need it to change. It already works. They know how to navigate it. It doesn't need the servicing model that um, many of us are kind of addicted to with our phones, where you get this new OS but the same hardware. Hmm. So it, I don't really. People say, like, to your argument, should they update the firmware? I don't think they're going to. I don't think they need to. It just needs the basic functionality to connect to Netflix, connect to Amazon, um, support Miracast, and that's it. That's they're very, very basic screens at the end of the day. So I guess question, I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm sort of relating it to um, the software in vehicles. And I don't mean like the chip in the engine or whatever, but like the, yeah. um, um, you know, like your interface. Like in a Ford vehicle, you have. Ford Sync, which is run by Microsoft or you know made by Microsoft, and I think it's very good. But even a four-year, you know, you put the newest Ford Sync system in a vehicle now, and in four years, that feels really, really clunky and outdated. And so vehicles, I mean, people have them five, ten years; uh, they're still viable at that age. That needs to upgrade. And so, to me, having a five or ten-year-old television that has this technology, this interface. A smart TV to me that would just feel really clunky and um, meh. And but that's me so, obviously not having one of these TVs. The demographics of Netflix is extremely interesting. I highly recommend you look at it sometime because there's the people who, and I don't use Netflix all that much. My wife uses it more. There's the people who want the uh, creative content, their custom shows that are only shown on Netflix, and then there's a very large demographic of what I call. Um, I mean, everybody calls them mothers, people who are at home with kids, and all they want is to be able to turn Netflix on, turn on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, and let it run on repeat for two hours while they <laughs> vacuum. They don't need anything else but other than to be able to hit five buttons and get that interface working for their kid. And there's for the people who are watching the high-end content, the, the premium content, yeah, they definitely need the upgrades, and they're probably already buying new mediums. Either they're watching it on the web or they're doing whatever. But for that large demographic of just moms who want on-demand content, again, they don't need... They need Windows XP is what they need. <laughs> yeah, but see, I do see what Vernon's saying, though. I'm yeah, use I, an totally example. Agree. I do see what your point is, though. Yeah, sure. but like as far as it just working. But like the service is not going to stay, though. Like, like maybe the functionality on the TV will, but the Netflix might evolve. So, for example, a friend of mine has a 2006 Dodge Magnum, and that's when like Bluetooth was just kind of new. Well, it, it works like Uconnect is what they call it, and you can answer phones really clumsily with their terrible voice recognition service, but Cortana doesn't work with the Bluetooth. 
right. because it wasn't quite there. So that's an example where updating the firmware on the car would have been nice, you know, but now we have to wait to buy a new one to get Cortana to work with the car. Like, that's dumb. Yeah. So, but, and I'm not even in the worst place to talk. I have an 81 Camaro, and I use a CRT tube TV. So nice. I'm out of this conversation officially. That's... <laughs> You know, Netflix is. A, I think the problem we're having is we're comparing two different things because Netflix, it really all they are on, on TVs is just web wrappers. That Netflix, yeah. I believe, can update the interface on their end because all okay. it's doing is just going out to the web mm-hmm. and okay. pulling that content down. Now, for the actual TV interface, yeah, that interface is not going to get updated. But um, I believe Netflix can because I have a Blu-ray player from God whenever Blu-rays came out that had Netflix built in. Netflix like 1.0, and the app still works. I've used it really frequently. okay. And I, I don't want to say that the interface is great, but it still works. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that was, um, yeah, that was started with uh, how you, uh, what led you to start a <laughs> podcast about Microsoft. So, <laughs> next yes. question here. Um, you said that you've been covering Microsoft for about ten years. I think I heard you right. And uh, my question is, why did you choose Microsoft to cover? And when you were twenty years old. You, it probably was less of a choice, uh, less difficult choice than it might be now. But why do you continue to cover it? And I guess why do you choose or choose not to use um, Microsoft services? So I got into it, just kind of fell into the lap scenario. I was in college and poor like everybody else and just trying to make extra money. And so Neowen was hiring writers. And I had some writing experience prior to some SEO work, apply and got the job. And the Neowind is kind of naturally is a Microsoft site. So it was just by that nature that I would, I don't want to say forced into it, but just gravitated towards it because uh, you can look at the traffic on Neowind. A Microsoft post is going to do uh, a multiple of a non-Microsoft post. So I said, well, the, the readers want Microsoft. Why not do it? And so just kind of stuck with it. You really get attached to this stuff because you learn how it works. You learn things that other people don't. Uh, Microsoft, for all the flack I give them, has a very good PR team that's easy to work with, and they just kind of enhance some of those capabilities as well. So they made my job easy. I made their job easy, and it just worked well together. So I just stuck with it, and um, I don't know. I, I enjoy Microsoft at the end of the day. I enjoy what they're doing. They're not... They're not a run-of-the-mill. They're not Apple doing the same thing every quarter. They're, they've got a lot of different moving parts. They have a huge R&D department that kicks things out from on occasion, such as HoloLens, that makes things interesting. And plus, you're just using their software, right? I mean, every day I sit down on my PC, and what do I do? First thing I do is log into Windows, which is um, doing that. And I don't know. Just You just kind of get sucked into it. And it's hard to... I don't think I would... I don't know what I would be doing if I wasn't doing this, if I'd be writing about anything at all. I think it would be the real kind of answer. Hmm. Cool. Well, what? And next, last question here. I just have it as: uh, What do you tell the normals in your life when they ask if they should install Windows 10? And I would say that most of our listeners probably are already running Windows 10, or yeah, they sure. are about to, or like whatever. You know, they're excited to get the new device with uh, Windows Hello, something like that. But most people that are listening to the show also have people in their life that w- we call the normals. Um, yep. <laughs> what you know? How do you respond to someone asking about Windows 10? Um, I usually say wait until Windows tells you to update because Microsoft has the telemetry of your machine, and they know that if your particular machine has a bad driver, whether or not you're going to have a good upgrade experience. So my general advice is to somebody who just is waiting for it, just wait until that little flag comes up, Microsoft says it's okay to install because they know if you're going to have any issues upgrading before you upgrade. So... If you haven't received it, it could be potentially one of re- two reasons. One, your name just hasn't come up through through the random cycle. Or two, that there actually is a driver issue on your machine, and that if you do upgrade, you're going to have a bad time. So to the, the normals or just general consumers, just wait. Just wait for Microsoft to prompt you, and that's your best, best and safest bet. Cool. Uh, David, do you want to start us off with news here? Sure thing. Our first item we haven't touched on yet. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, that would be that Windows 10 is out as of July 29th, and uh, it depends on your machine, but if you have not got your update yet, there's several ways. Uh, like Brad said, waiting is probably the best thing you can possibly do, but if you're a little bit more power user, a little bit more enthusiast, 
you can always try forcing it with, like, there's a download for an ISO you can use uh, from the Microsoft website. Uh, there, there's, a, there's several ways to do it. Um, and also there's a, there's a post on winfan.net, just to plug that, about mm. how, how to go through that process, too, if, you, if you'd like. Hey, uh, listeners, I saw, when I was at work last night, when I should have been working, I saw a post from my friend David V. Kimball uh, to Facebook about a video, which was actually really, really well done. I thought it was awesome. Like, man, how, how come I'm not that good at that kind of thing? But uh, uh, David explained the top, what are the first five things you should do once you install Windows 10. And it was really, really good. And I was got through number four, and then I got called away. My radio buzzed off. Um, Work. So, yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, that, I don't know, David, do you have that posted publicly somewhere yet? Yeah, I do. It's on my YouTube page. So youtube.com slash David V. Kimball. And it's the first five things. I try to make it, like, accessible for the normals. Because, for example, one thing is in the video is when you first have Windows 10, there's a massive search box on your taskbar. And that rubbed me the wrong way immediately. So... Stuff like right-clicking it, going to Cortana or search, and doing show icon only. It's those kind of basic things, like making sure your theme color shows up in your taskbar. And so I just run through a few things like that in the video. And um, to be fair, Brad, you just mentioned basically that same thing, how to get rid of that um, the taskbar or the, the search bar in mm-hmm. your last episode, I believe, if I listened correctly. Yep, yeah, because there's... A- one of the things with Windows 10 that a lot of people don't think about is from somebody going to 7 to 10, Microsoft is claiming a lot of real estate on a clean install or even an upgrade. They have that huge search bar, they have the little microphone, and then they also have that multitask button. And that's, yeah. that's a lot of real estate on your taskbar. Mm-hmm. And a lot of consumers are just going to want to say, I don't want that crap there. Now, I know why Microsoft is doing it, but at the end of the day, all they want is they want the start button and they want their apps right next to it. They don't want anything different, and that's not the default behavior. So trying to get back into that default behavior is going to be a a critical step for a lot of people. What's funny is how many people didn't know in Windows 8 you could just type and do a search and how cool that was. So Microsoft was like, better put a search box everywhere so people know. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. You can search on the start menu and in this special box and on Cortana. Search and away. you can push the push the button. Yeah, exactly. Have you ordered that yet, David? No, I really want it. I, I'm on the waiting list. Oh man, yeah, I'm sure they're gonna sell like hotcakes. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? Talk about Apple oh, Watches. Uh, Brad, well, yeah, I'm gonna push that off just a moment. Uh, Brad, you you mentioned in your last episode um, about people using the well Alt Tab is what I call it. I guess that's what many people call it. The the task switcher. Yeah, uh, visual, visual task switch, task switcher, um, and that so few people even know that that exists. I just find that so hard to believe. What, you, what was six, it? Six percent. I don't. Which seems like dramatically low to me. I I really wonder if they have it was like sixty percent and that zero just got left off the internal email, and <laughs> yeah. somebody's just like hiding in a cubicle hoping nobody look, reviews the data. Um, just like I fool them. Only six percent use Alt Tab, which seems really, really low for how long that. That's like a, like what are the shortcuts you learn in, in high school or elementary school? You learn cut, copy, paste, and Alt Tab. Well, sadly, the shortcut you learn now is to use uh, Google Docs, which is insane. I, I just want to, I don't know, that, that makes me upset, but I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Apple. We want to cover the other uh, operating systems here. So Apple Watches, um, I basically put this in here, Apple Watches sold X amount compared to installs of Windows 10. We don't actually know how many they sold, but there was a lot of speculation on Twitter, and basically, it's you know, Apple Watch has been out for what six months or something like that, and people feel that they sell many less Apple Watches than people install Windows 10 in like the first day. Well, there's um, a bit of a price difference out first off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's still it's just interesting to compare that. And there's another one with Google. I guess I'll just do that right now too. As far as Google, I heard that. Um, in the past year. I don't know if it was all of 2014 or a rolling 12 months from now or whatever, going back. Uh, 20 million Chromebooks have been sold, and uh, the first day, first 24 hours, it was, re- it was reported 14 million installs of Windows 10 in 24 hours. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's just awesome to see that um, it's like the, the quiet majority, or like whatever you want to call it, right? The silent majority, like 
where people are, um, you know, if they're if they're not, how do you say it? The people who are satisfied don't complain. You know, a squeaky wheel gets greased or like you know whatever, and it just shows um, how how big a deal it is, I guess. Whatever. Uh, let's cover this other Apple crap. Yeah. So the Apple Music, as Brad said earlier. Complete mess. I know personally, using the thing is a disaster. I hate the freaking bubbles. But I want to pull my hair out when I see the bubbles. What artist do you like? Oh, not that one? When you click X, all the bubbles are going to move randomly, and you're going to yeah. try to click X on the other ones. I, uh, that's the it's first like experience game. you get. Yeah, that's the first experience you get when you open the app. And and what, what's great about this Yahoo uh, Finance article that is, will be in the show notes is not only some longtime Apple watchers and just fans detest it. It's deleted music in their libraries and just been a bad experience overall. And they said, really, it's more about music discovery and less about managing your current library. So it's really no replacement for, you know, iTunes or whatever. And I very much Apple agree with that. not have a replacement for iTunes yet. I mean, well, people love Apple. I mean, you know, I use an iPhone for work. Not thrilled with it, but it's not bad. I mean, it's okay, fine. But the people, the, the one thing, if people had to pick one thing that they hate about Apple is iTunes. How are they not fixing that yet? I mean, like, There's just, no like, how does this get missed? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, it's such a bloated mess these days. Um, I think they're scared to either break out components of it, so it's not such a resource hog when you, you know, I always joke when you fire up iTunes, you better throw some more coal in the fire because it, it's just, it sucks down everything around it when it goes online. And I don't know why they keep just chunking more and more and more things into it, but um, I don't know. I think the reason people tolerated it is, and I, I agree with this, Apple builds great hardware. Like, their hardware is fantastic. Their software is not so much fantastic all the time. And I think people are just tolerating that, saying, okay, you know, this, this machine looks pretty. It might be functionally garbage, but at least it looks nice when I'm using it. Yep. So the app coming to Windows Phone, I put Link because, or I mean Skype for Business because it just replaced Link on Windows Phone. And so if you use Link and you're an Office 365 user through work or school or whatever, make sure you sign in again because they'll kick you out because the server is a little bit different. And then just sign in again and you're welcome Welcome to Skype for Business. That's all mm -hmm. I have to say for that. Mm -hmm. It works well. Not perfect, but well. So how about the personal podcast picks or app picks first, right? Yeah, I I don't have any. I cannot think of a new app that I've really installed. I stick with my same... I, even last night I was playing... I, I complain... I say this all the time. Playing the same two games on my phone I, I used in Windows 7. Um, Windows Phone 7. I just... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so I don't really have an app pick except, um, I don't know, Crossy Road? Yeah, do that. There you go, Crossy Road. Crossy the one Road. I have is Prism. And that's like a bill tracker, expense tracker. You can actually link it up with your bank. You can link it up with services like, oh, I don't know, Great Lakes Loans, student loans. Not like I have any personal experience with that. Um, but it's nice because you can add manual billers and set like rent rates that are custom that you can manually add. I think it's cross-platform too. Prism's on, as far as I know, lots of other platforms. And it's free. So I use Prism on Windows Phone. For the news buffs out there, definitely make sure to check out USA Today's new uh, Universal app. So, it's uh, I mean it's it's USA Today. There's nothing overly glamorous about it, but it is now Windows 10, uh, a full Universal app, so it it runs quite well on your new fancy OS. Great. Music picks, Vernon. Well, I'm gonna go with one that my son recommends, who turns three today. He did turn three, and he loves. He loves the song by Mark Ronson, and my daughter and I joke that we don't actually think Mark Ronson says anything in this song at all. But many of you know it. Um, uh, it's uh, Bruno Mars basically sings it. It's that up, um, uptown funk or whatever. Um, I'm not I, I'm not one who normally loves that huge mainstream song or whatever, but my son loves this, and also it's a little bit comical because a three-year-old singing "Uptown Funk You Up." Um, over and over again is um, if you don't know the song you do question uh, parenting skills of, uh, and so uh, anyway it, it's I don't know what it is but every every kid loves this Facebook is covered with kids singing this or people saying yeah my kid keeps saying uptown funk you up um, 
I'm embarrassed in you know in church when they're singing this or whatever. But um, Mark Ronson, I don't think he's known for anything else. I think he just says hey hey ho ho or something in the song. But um, yeah, what do you got, Brad? And then um, so my pick is actually an album called Pure Fiction. And you may not recognize the album name, but the artist is Eric Hutchinson. The song Tell the World is on that album, and that's actually the song that Microsoft is using in all of their commercials. Cool. If you, if you remember the little baby videos that they've put out, it, uh, that's, that's the album that it came from. Nice. All right. I had a music pick in mind, but I'm going to change it because that reminds me. The Hallway Swimmers saw... Uh, are an artist, and their song Indigo is in the other Microsoft-like commercial oh, yeah, type. That's right. And, you know, I heard it the first few times, and by the third time I heard it, I was like, this is a cool song. So I actually looked it up, and uh, and pretty soon for this show, we're going to have a remix of it for the intro. I, I talked to this guy. I'm going to give him a shout-out next episode when we, when we introduce the new intro music for this show, and we're going to use a remix of this Indigo song. And... Uh, so I just wanted to share that. It's really awesome. I love the song. That, that is awesome. I can't wait for that. Be cool. Um, why don't you just, why don't you go with your podcast pick here, uh, David? Okay, my podcast pick is Cars Yeah by Mark Green. He's a personal friend of mine, and he, it's all about automotives and people's stories about their cars. And it's a uh, he's a great show. I think he does a show daily every weekday, and so wow. he's gotten pretty big uh, recently. And uh, I think he's been doing it for about a year now. And it's uh, he does a great job. So cars, yeah. Cool. Um, I and I I do not have a specific podcast that I am plugging. This I really suck at these picks here. But I am recommending a podcast. Um, really, the only podcast convention. We just finished the second annual podcast movement. The convention. Um, it was in Dallas, Texas again this year. Last year was in Fort Worth. This year is in Dallas. And it's run by Jared Easley. Primarily, and then um, some other, uh, some some uh, Dan Franks and some other people. But Jared basically runs this thing, and it's all about podcasting. People, podcasters go to it, obviously, uh, like any other convention. And uh, many podcasters are there. People that I, um, I I respect in the industry were giving keynotes and all that kind of thing. Obviously, uh, um, our producer Kevin was there, and and I was incredibly envious of him. But it just didn't turn out work out for me this this year. And also by 11, if you order by 11 tonight, you can get uh, next year's for a good price or whatever, which um, I I just may do. We'll see. So a podcast movement uh, will be next year, July, uh, second week of July or something like that. But if you're a podcaster or if you just like podcasts or you want to go meet a whole bunch of podcasters, um, that's definitely the the place to be. So, and then uh, Brad, obviously we can. Plug your own podcast again, and then you share uh, another. I mean, that's truly you have a great show, so we <laughs> we want you to, other people to listen to that as well. So, yeah. So obviously, there's mine, um, the Redmond Report, eleven thirty on Fridays. But another really good daily podcast, and it's kind of more video cast or whatever you want to call it, is actually Tech News Today on the Twit Network. If you can't, if you miss a day, um, and you kind of want to catch up on what's just happened in the Twittersphere or whatever, um, Tech News Today over at twit.tv. Is a, it's a really good show, and it's generally pretty short, and it's compact and, and knowledge-filled, and it's a, it's a good show. Awesome. Let's shoot through this this versus that section uh, so we can wrap up the show because we want to kind of stay in our range. So the big debate for this episode is uh, posting Instagram images to Twitter. How do you go about it? Because uh, Twitter and Instagram's API fight, and they don't let... You post a link from Instagram; it doesn't show up natively on Twitter. So, what's your opinion on this, Vernon? Um, real quick, I thought it went away for a little bit, but now it's back. Does one of you, one of you, playing the video? Because we're getting some feedback. Ooh, I hope that's not my fan. Well, no, I did. I do hear an echo from the. Yep, I hear myself echoing. So I don't think it's well. Whatever. My speakers um, are off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it would be, but um, I, I can. I hear an echo too, actually. Hmm. All right. Well, we're gonna go through it. Um, the I feel, and I'm a little bit anal about this. I'm really, really idealistic. Okay, and so I feel that if you're on, if you post a picture, okay, and it's on Instagram, 
don't just be lazy and post it to Twitter. Okay, I'm taking the obviously one side of this. Okay, and then uh, then David's going to take the more rational <laughs> viewpoint, I'm sure. And so, um, and no, Brad, I still hear the echo, but I don't know what's. Yeah, I don't know. Man, that's weird. So, to to me, what I try to do, what I've done in the past, is that if I want, if I have a cool picture of my kid, I'll put it on Instagram. Okay, and then I'll you know I'll use this one by one if I need to. Ugh. And then I'll put it on Facebook. I'll say something different because my Facebook audience is a little bit different than Instagram. And then Twitter, I may or may not post it to Twitter, but if I do, I might use it a little bit, a little bit differently. May um, tag my wife in it, for example, or, or I should say mention. And David will talk about tags later. Um, or I might uh, do a hashtag or like whatever. So to me, I post differently. It's pain in the butt. Takes a long time. Not necessarily worth it. I'm extra anal about that, but to me, when I go through and I see, say for Tweedium, for example, Tweedium has Instagram um, preview or viewer or whatever built in. Uh, some other uh, websites or uh, Twitter apps do, and it's good. It's nice that that's there. But if I'm viewing it on the web or I'm viewing it through Twitter, I just see the link, Instagram, and I see, um, oh, a kid loves his new, and then it's like cut off or something like that. Um, and to me, that's poor Twittermanship. And obviously, I'm not the best one to even talk about that. David, how am I wrong? Uh, well, I don't think you're wrong. And I want to say that because I think in a, in a perfect world, you'd optimize each experience for the particular social network you're posting it to. So I think the worst thing to do is, you know, tapping that share, share to Twitter option when you post on Instagram and then just throwing a link out there. And like that's convenient, but it's not. But there is an e there's an easy way to make it convenient, and that's using IFTTT or if then that, and then you can set up a rule so whenever you post a new image on Instagram, it posts it to Twitter automatically with the source image, so it's natively being presented on Twitter as well. That being said, uh, I don't do that very often either because I'm sort of like Vernon and I like meticulously making it right for each social network. And but if you if you want something convenient, you want to throw it out there, you can start, turn on ifttt.com, set up that filter or that rule or that recipe or whatever you want to call it, and then it'll do it all for you automatically. So there's an easy way to get native images from Instagram onto Twitter as well. So I'm a bit mixed about which is what I prefer. The only reason I say that is Instagram has better conversation tools around a photo. So if you get that link, you can actually go and see the conversation there. But at the end of the day, I wish we could go back to the time and place when Twitter actually embedded the images natively, which mm -hmm. uh, was a couple years ago before they, they went to war with each other. So I'm one of the filthy casuals who will just blast out the same link and just say, you know what, go visit the internet page or the Instagram page and not optimize for Twitter. So mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think there's a bad thing. It's just kind of what you're, what you're going for. Right. I, I you do appreciate some of your traffic to Instagram when you deviate away from that. If you want to focus yeah. on like one post, then it's wiser to do that. One reason I do the auto posting occasionally, for one, many people, at least a lot of my followers, are viewing it through something that already, let's say, translates it. You know, already has it there. So I kind of, yeah, okay, I'll get by with that. But also. If it is something that may interest, especially if it's a tech-related thing on Instagram, which is rare for me, but maybe I want to pull some of my Twitter followers and entice them over to Instagram. See, hey, maybe you'll actually like this over here. Uh, maybe they'll click the link and uh, you know interact over there. It's really not. It's not like a big focus of mine. I don't really care, but I think that that um, it can be a good tool for broadening your um, your tribe. You know, if you're really focused into that or or not. Um, but to be really uh, idealistic, I just don't like that extra link in there, but that's just me. So. And that leads us right into our Twitter tip, which is the best way to post images on Twitter. The preview aspect ratio for Twitter web and most Twitter apps is 2 by 1. So think wide, wider screen than widescreen. And so if you post a square image on Twitter, a good 25% of the top is cut off and 25% of the bottom is cut off. So keep that in mind. Uh, either you can post a two-by-one image, or when you post a square image, make sure the content in the center of it is the most important. So, yeah, that's all I have for the Twitter tip. Nice. So we are nearly done. Uh, Brad, once again, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great, especially on short notice. Um, 
people really go check out his podcast. Obviously, listen to ours. We'd love that. But um, sure. Brad has some more insightful and, and um, wiser words than we do here, and uh, he, he definitely... Um, uh, it's it's very good, especially as as early into it as you are, and I, I wish you the best of luck and and all all the great things, truly. So, but listeners, we very um, much appreciate it, guys. Very much appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I'm sure we'll have you on again sometime as well, hopefully, and it'd be it'd be great. So, so listeners, thank you very much for listening to this episode of MS Mobile Show. We do appreciate it. If you enjoyed the show. Listen again. Best way to do that is to subscribe to the show. Do it right with your favorite podcast app. That way we're right in your ear holes as soon as it is available or as soon as you have time to do so. Um, we'd love to hear of, um, what you use to listen to the show, what app you use. Just let us know, um, and that way other people can learn from that as well if they need to. Uh, you can contact the show via Twitter at MSMobileShow. We're also on Facebook, MS Mobile Show. Email, of course, is uh, contact at msmobileshow.com. David can be reached at David V. Kimball. Uh, he's also at davidvkimball.com. Uh, Brad, where can they find you on Twitter or on the web? Uh, easiest place to find me or harass me is just at BDSAMS on Twitter or at neowin.net. Nice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vernon El. Uh, we do record the show. Uh, we have a great. We record the show live. Obviously, we have a great chat room today. A pretty engaging and nice to, have to see everyone in there. We appreciate that, folks, and especially the the, the comments. So you know um, uh, that we shared on the show here. Uh, we record the show every Monday, uh, one in the afternoon uh, here Central Time. Of course, that'd be seven in the evening over in London, uh, eleven Pacific. <clears throat> Once again, if you feel the show is worth some spare change, we'd be thrilled if you just took a few seconds to contribute. Uh, you can do so by visiting support section on our website. But absolutely, whether you contribute or not, we appreciate every one of you listeners. We thank you very much for listening. Um, have a great week, everyone. Stay mobile.